Hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another episode of Strange Origins. If you're used to listening to my voice, I want to thank you for the love you've shown my little project. It's been so much fun to find new topics to write about that will, hopefully, entertain and enlighten you. If you're new here, welcome. If this is your first time listening, then I feel the need to preface this episode with a warning that this subject is particularly strange. Not exactly scary, just unusual. Well, compared to the usually strange nature of the show, it's not that unusual. But for those jumping in just now, it'll probably have you carrying around an umbrella on cloudless days, just expecting the worst. So, fair warning. So, since history is so full of stories of strange things falling from the sky, whether they be organic or man-made, I thought I would do a single episode that delved a little bit into each one. There isn't really a big history when it comes to strange showers. Usually anything that fell from the sky that wasn't rain was thought to be either an omen of bad times to come, a punishment for sins committed by people, or a gift from the gods above. Back then, unexplainable occurrences like that could be blamed on figures such as a vengeful Old Testament god, or could be explained away by the stories of Greek mythology. Rats, fish, dead bats, or frogs falling from the sky are still believed today to be a sign of apocalyptic prophecy. On other occasions, they are gifts from above. But some of these occurrences, you just can't find a religious or mythological explanation for. They just happened, randomly, and then they didn't happen again. Which to me is really interesting. An interesting story I read about involved the falling of rain in a particular spot, which granted doesn't sound too strange. In Aiken, South Carolina, hundreds of locals witnessed rain falling continuously from morning until late at night on top of only two gravestones at a local cemetery. There were no clouds in the sky, according to witnesses, and it didn't rain anywhere else in the cemetery. While meteorologists attempted to explain the phenomenon by stating that wind-blown precipitation blown in from other areas can cause rain when there are no clouds present, it still didn't explain any of the other odd behavior that made up the incident. While it was spooky, at least rain was something that normally fell from the sky. You can explain something like that away and not think about it again for a while. But on two separate nights in September of 1857 in Lake County, California, it was reported that sugar crystals that were around one-fourth of an inch in width fell down. According to the history of Napa and Lake Counties, quote, syrup was made of it by some lady residents of the section. While I'm sure people were asking plenty of questions about the event, no explanations were ever given. 
In my opinion, Candy would have been a welcome rainfall compared to what happened in 1794 near the village of La Laine to about 150 or so French soldiers. According to reports, uh, heavy rain began to fall, and after finding some shelter from the heavy falls, the soldiers began to notice that, along with the raindrops, something else was filling up the sky. That something was literally hundreds of toads. After they investigated a bit, they found that a lot of the toads, which were usually found on the hats and folds of the men's uniforms, still had tails meaning that they hadn't quite fully formed from tadpoles to toads yet. This also occurred in Kansas City in 1873, and again in Dubuque, Iowa in 1882. While incredibly jarring, frogs or toads falling from the sky can actually be scientifically explained. As anyone who has studied the water cycle knows, Water from bodies of water are pulled up into clouds and rained back down again. When tadpoles are small enough and developing on these bodies of water, they can be sucked up into the air through water sprouts and rain down soon after. This also happens occasionally when tornadoes will rip through the area, sucking things up and spitting them out on its path. Surprisingly, this next subject isn't as rare as frogs falling from the sky, even though it's a lot more terrifying. <laughs> Mass migration of arachnids, or spiders, have been known to happen, especially in places where they run rampant like Australia. The reports of it happening in the US and in Britain have been known. Some spiders' ability to fly, or technically they call it ballooning, is a totally normal phenomenon that allows them to fly away to a different part of the country, or in some instances, an entirely new continent. While when exactly this ballooning will happen still seems pretty random to humans, it's thought to be based on how much electricity is in the air. They will sense air currents that will carry them far away and release a gossamer thread that will catch in the wind and carry them up to the sky. It's kind of like reverse parachuting. To the spiders, it's kind of like taking a high-risk airplane ride, where the mortality rate is very high. In 2012 and 2015, it was documented in Australia that millions of spiders decided to balloon at the same time, and left the areas where they landed covered in a white silk. A lot of the people who have witnessed this event state that it will simply look as if it's snowing until you look closer and realize it's thousands of tiny spiders parachuting down. I'm not sure if that's a horrible, terrifying sight, or a beautiful one. I guess it depends on whether you're under shelter or not. <laughs> they will leave their silk on the trees, ground, or buildings, causing it to look kind of like a haunting mist is flowing through town. It's called angel hair, and a lot of UFO conspiracists 
will mistakenly cite it as evidence of alien activity. In 1988, sailors even mentioned witnessing these ballooning spiders getting caught in their sails while their boat was around a thousand miles or 1600 kilometers away from land. That's why every continent has spiders and why spiders are usually the first type of life form to migrate to a new area. While ballooning is an everyday occurrence, humans just don't notice it unless it's a mass migration, seeing as the spiders who do it are so tiny. As terrifying as millions of spiders are, I think I would prefer it to my next strange shower, which is meat, believe it or not. The Kentucky Meat Shower is a highly quoted event when people discuss strange things falling from the sky, but that doesn't really make the mystery any less interesting. The story goes that on a cloudless Friday night in 1876, the wife of a farmer, uh, Mrs. Allen Crouch, was in her yard making soap, which is something they used to do, when meat flakes began to pour down around her. According to the Louisville commercial, two men actually tasted the meat, which is just horrific, in my opinion. And they were quoted as stating that the meat was either mutton or venison. A local hunter also tried the meat and stated that it was most likely bear. But later, a sample was given to the Newark Scientific Association, who identified it as most likely either lung tissue from a horse or a human infant, seeing as apparently those two are the exact same size and shape. While Mrs. Crouch and her husband believed the meat to be a sign from God, people did their best to try to explain it. Scientists did write into newspapers after that, stating that the only plausible reason was the, quote, disgorgement of some vultures that were sailing over the spot. This is because vultures are known for vomiting as a means of quick escape when threatened, which is something I never thought I would have to picture until today. The next subject uh, is kind of like something out of a horror movie. Blood rain is actually more of a common occurrence than you might think. While sometimes only red rain will fall, which is thought of by a lot of people to be blood, it has been known for it to be accompanied by what people will describe as pieces of flesh. On Sunday in July of 1869, it was reported by a nearby funeral party that out of a clear sky fell not only a thick and vivid red rain, but also hairs and portions of organs. While a lot of these exact incidences were reported in the 1800s for some unknown reason, there was one reported in 1968 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. According to a report given by an officer, quote, the pieces of flesh were found lying at distances of half a meter apart their size variation between lengths of 5 centimeters to 20 centimeters. The meat 
was of a spongy texture and violet in color, and was accompanied by drops of blood. No aircraft had been seen prior to, during, or after the event, nor were there any birds in the sky. End quote. It's understandable to me why people in the past would believe showers like this to be a bad omen. A sign that the unthinkable would be happening soon. Blood rain, though, can actually be explained away by scientific means. They are usually recorded to cover only very small areas, usually lasting only a very short amount of time, because blood rain isn't actually made up of blood, Rather, it's just tinged red by an aerial spore of green microalgae that forms on tree trunks or wet rocks. When the microalgae gets in a state of distress, it will turn red, causing the rain it is being carried in to look like blood. When it comes to what people have believed to be pieces of meat and organs, Really, the only explanation I could find for that was that some scientists believe it to be pieces of plants, kind of like mushrooms, that only closely resemble meat, that have been sucked up along with the spores. Though in my opinion, that doesn't explain a lot of the events, seeing as the meat was just too meat-like. This has occurred recently in Zamora, a city in northwestern Spain, though it's still a mystery as to how the spores became trapped in the rain clouds, as those kinds of microorganisms just aren't native to that area of Spain. So there is still a little bit of a mystery left with these kind of events. While falling candy and sprinkling blood are fascinating subjects to discuss, this next one is definitely my favorite thing to fall from the sky, and actually my reason for doing this episode. Pudrisere, or translated as star jelly, is a Welsh sentiment that translates to mean rot of the stars, and has actually been discussed pretty frequently in historical records, literature, and even poetry. The term for star jelly can be dated back to an English-Latin dictionary from the 1400s. According to folklore, it was deposited on Earth by meteor showers, hence its name. It's a gelatinous substance that is sometimes translucent, sometimes colored, sometimes tinged with a gross gray color that will usually evaporate shortly after it falls down. A physician named John of Gadesden, who lived in the 1300s, described star jelly in his medical writings as a, quote, mucilaginous substance lying upon the earth. He even went so far as to suggest that it might be used to treat abscesses, which is probably a germaphobe's worst nightmare. In 1950, four policemen from Philadelphia reported that they had discovered what they described as, quote, a domed disc of quivering jelly, six feet in diameter, 
one foot thick at the center and an inch or two near the edge. After attempting to pick it up, it then dissolved into an odorless, sticky scum. This incident would later go on to inspire the 1958 movie The Blob, which is so funny to me. In another case in 1979 in Frisco, Texas, following a meteor shower that was seen falling near the neighborhood of Martin and Sybil Christian. The following morning, Mrs. Christian woke up to find three purple blobs outside on her front lawn. While one of the blobs dissolved, the other two were preserved and sent to a lab for testing. While it was thought that a nearby battery reprocessing plant was responsible, they couldn't really find any evidence that that would be the cause. In 1994, in Oakville, Washington, at around 3 a.m., there was noted to be heavy rainfall, which residents stated in the morning left a strange gelatinous substance on the ground. After a period of three weeks, the jelly would fall from the sky around six times, in such large quantities that at one point an officer on patrol turned on his car wipers only to have the stuff smear thickly across his windshield. What's so strange about this particular event was that certain members of the community of Oakville then became violently ill, suffering from difficulty in breathing, vertigo, blurred vision, and nausea. It was almost like a strain of the flu that swept through the town that lasted about two or three months. One of the people who fell sick decided to collect samples of the jelly in order to give it to a lab, hoping that it would explain their illness so that they could find a cure. It was examined by a lab technician who found that it contained white human blood cells, though he couldn't identify where it had come from or why in the world it had come from the sky. It was afterwards sent to the Washington State Department of Health and studied by a microbiologist, who noted that it was, quote, teeming with two species of bacteria, one of which lives in the human digestive system. Theories about this event varied widely. Some believed it to be human waste from an airplane, even though legally that stuff is supposed to be dyed blue and is never released mid-flight. Another theory was that it had its origins in the military naval bombings that had accidentally destroyed a school of jellyfish and had, quote, sent their pieces flying into the atmosphere. Though that theory has quite a few problems with it. Major conspiracists believe it was a military experiment where a new biological weapon was tested on U.S. soil. Sadly, no samples exist today, as they have since just evaporated naturally. These days, modern science usually will try to explain the origin of star jelly by stating that it was an animal byproduct, like bird puke, or a type of algae, or an object that just sucks up a lot of water when it's up in the clouds. But star jelly has yet to fully be explained, meaning anyone's guess is good. While it's known that it isn't made up of anything that was once alive, based on what scientists can see under a microscope, 
there's really not a lot else that we know about it. And lastly, a subject I wanted to mention in this episode is that of green fireballs. While it's more of a meteorological phenomena rather than a shower, green fireballs are just too interesting not to mention. Especially seeing as I just talked about it in my second episode of American Mythos, where I discuss Momo the Missouri Monster. Green fireballs are usually classified as an unidentified flying object, and though they look like your average meteor, they are actually really different. Something strange about green fireballs is that for a three-year period between 1948 and 1951, they became a pretty common sight, but with virtually all sightings happening in the southwestern United States. They happened with such frequency that citizens and even military agencies began to suspect that the green lights were evidence that enemies of the U.S. had infiltrated the territory. A lot of the reports claimed that the green lights weren't meteors, but rather flare-like, only appearing for about three seconds. Pilots reported that they too would see the strange lights and that they were usually flying about 2,000 feet higher than planes normally fly at. They also stated that while the lights were similar to flares used by the Air Force, they were always much larger and much more intense. While researchers for Project Sign, the U.S. government's official group dedicated to studying UFOs, got together, they decided that more in-depth research for green fireballs was needed. So in December of 1949, Project Twinkle was created. While an observation network and photographic units were established, they were never really fully implemented. Sadly, two years later, the project was discontinued, with the official conclusion being that green fireballs were just a natural phenomena. But no one ever really gave a real explanation as to their origin, or for the way they acted in the sky. While the government may have stated that green fireballs were just a natural phenomena, people today state that Project Twinkle was discontinued because of poor management and underfunding, sadly. Today, more recently, green fireballs have been noticed in Japan and Australia, though why they have migrated there is still unknown. What I have gleaned from researching this topic so far is that while we think we know a lot about the world around us, we actually know very, very, very little. It's fascinating to think just what discoveries we'll make in the future. Someday I hope that Project Twinkle will get some more support and that we can one day find out whether green fireballs have a scientific explanation or not. But in the meantime, it really is fun to romanticize the idea that jelly comes from falling stars. That I could one day wake up to a yard full of wispy spider silk. And that maybe one day, pieces of candy will rain down on me. 
Thank you so much for joining for this particularly strange, strange origins, my friends. Stay safe out there. Keep your eyes on the stars. And don't forget to keep it strange.